Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Let's cook, 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 and 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And of course, welcome to listeners of all genders, including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. And if you want to get in touch with the show, there's all the uh, means of communication by which to do it. Um, email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61. 456-751-215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And you can look for the Facebook post on my page, Sally Goldner, or the duplicate post on Out of the Pan, 3CR 855am Melbourne. And I've got to say one person who did SMS um, back in after long break, a roving reporter, um, who's one of our regular correspondents along with Melina. Melina, I'll get to your e- um, email from during the week as well during the show. But right now, I'm joined in the studio by a guest who, well, this is timely on so many levels, and um, you, if you're a full-time listener to 3CR, you would have heard her on the morning of the three, on Tuesday breakfast on the 24th of April, um, talking me too, and it's good to have her in to talk a whole range of issues in depth. Queenie Bonbon, welcome to Out of the Pan. Hi, good morning, or afternoon. Yeah. Just, tick, <laughs> just, just ticked over. <laughs> That's all right. We opened up with a track, well, the gender doesn't apply to either of us because we both use she pronouns, Ordinary Average Guy by Joe Walsh, which, um, well, the title doesn't apply, but I did want to play the track Two Sides to Every Story, which we just did, because you're here, first of all, to talk about your amazing show, um, which you've got at Hairs and Hyenas this week, and then on, well, the serious side, talk about um, Sester and Foster from the point of view of people working in the sex industry, although your opinions are your own um, today. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, I thought it was a good lead in because often mainstream media and the louder voices don't give an accurate picture of what it's like for people working in the sex industry. And the good thing about your show is it's sort of based on, you know, real life stories. So let's start there. Um, but first of all, you, this is the first time you've been on the show. Um, so before we get to welcome to the mystic hole, um, how long have you been doing, well, and you're modest about this, some sort of performance? Um, I, I think, um, performance in a, um, like a broader scale, probably, um, uh, definitely over a decade. And I, um, started performing as Queenie Bonbon, which, um, I mean, Actually, Queenie Bonbon first existed in a strip club a long, a long time ago, but then, Exited the strip club and entered the um, a more the performance a different performance space um, in two thousand and fourteen. 
Yeah, so um, four to five years, which is a fair time. You've done two or three different shows. Let's just have, maybe have a quick look at the evolution of those shows and how we got to um, Welcome to the Mystic Hole, maybe. Yeah, so um, I've done um, three full-length shows. Um, the first one um, was, was called Deeply Leisured, and um, it was recalling lots of t- times about um, working in um, sort of uh, earlier times of uh, me doing sex work and just um, sort of like navigating like this, the spaces that I work in and um, how I work. The second show was called Power Up and it was um, a lot more about how um, communities, how, how I, in part of a community, am able to sustain myself um as an activist and also um how that affects like the relationships that I have with people close to me and also um in the workspace and then my new show is called um Welcome to the Mystic Hole um a presentation about being in your body and other people's and um I think actually it's a, it's a, quite a similar theme it's a lot about just how how we navigate our bodies in um in the working world and like I talk about it from sex work but I think much broadly it's about how how we work um and how often marginalized communities um have to work in um in different or unstandardized ways and um what what that might look like yeah uh, there's a I think there's a couple of things that come to mind there. One is Einstein saying about the problems that get created can't be solved at the level they're created. And also, um, well, it was my former email signature, and that's when um, when you're trying to break through barriers, you can't just be equal. You have to be better than the people that put down the barriers in the first place, which came from a pro wrestler by the name of John Bradshaw Layfield, <laughs> an unlikely source of human rights philosophy, but there you go. And I think you, you've sort of knocked the nail on the head. We have to take creative, lateral thinking, outside-the-envelope approaches. And, you know, certainly the sort of shows you're doing do, we'll say, question the question and stretch happily stretch the envelope. Um, can you give us a you know, without giving anything away, because, of course, we don't want to do that if people haven't seen <laughs> the show, um, there's sort of, let's say, a couple of, we'll say, teasers about um, Welcome to the Mystic Hole. Um, so I um, talk a lot about um, how I've navigated work with um, a lot of health problems and um, maybe, like, the um, the what could maybe be the comedic element of if your um if your body releases a lot <laughs> how do you navigate that in a sexy workspace <laughs> and so a lot about like what do we shed and also how do we clean it up from the carpets <laughs> <laughs> um cleanliness is next to godfreeness but anyway um no well so i mean that you know that well there you go you've hit it, you know the hit it on the button that yes there's some you know there's some issues that to be talked about but you're doing it with a sense of humor which you know can be hard to come by when you're in a marginalized situation but the fact that you can find the humor in there is pretty cool um, do you do you find that that you get humour in sort of unlikely what could seem like unlikely situations? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel um, I like I, I think actually just as a community, I think people often are like, oh, there's so many sex workers are, are so hil- hilarious. And I was like, yeah, like we're I mean we're like professionally charming 
for a living to various or lesser degrees. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I feel like fi- finding humor in things is definitely one of one of the ways to to navigate these often really um just like uh, like unstandardized situations or things that are that um you know just from from the bizarre to the the wonderful mm. um the the sort of the expressions of human expression is is an absolute delight and also a horror <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to hold the space for paradox is yeah. one of the is a human challenge for all of us and you know which i think hits again hits something on the button that for all the i'll use the word often ill-informed ideas about people who work in the sex industry the underlying word is people human experience Mm. and that's really important that there is that sense of emotion of laughter and crying of shock and awe and all that sort of thing and um, it's just that it's a world that maybe people haven't understood yeah and I think also in the shows a lot there's just a lot of things that where I talk about my office and I think if you didn't know that I was a sex worker it there's lots of points in it where you're like oh that sounds like my office You know, there's actually a lot of, there's a lot of things about my workplace which are very similar to other people's workplace because we're workers and because we navigate things off, there is is a lot of similarities to other workforces. Well, I was going to say you you don't have a messy desk and then I thought maybe you might, but (laughs) just (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll define messy just um, while we have a track shortly, but... uh, (laughs) You know, sort of, um, you've got a point, you know, a workplace is about interacting with people, whether mm. it's your colleagues or clients or the public or the pu- and or the public, which obviously there's no clear boundaries between either and you're doing that too. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which just shows that, which I think is really important in the conversation we need to have in other parts of the show, just how important your life is another human experience. You're trying to achieve the same things as every other person, just a different path to get there. So we want to perhaps hold that thought because we're going to have um, a track. um, And I searched everywhere for songs with hole in the title (laughs) and (laughs) then sort of said, what do I have in my 1980s and 90s rock collection? And um, dug out this track from Crowded House's first album from the mid-80s. Um, well, things flowing, a hole in the river. 3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Queenie Bonbon. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done by Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Mayday March this Sunday at 1pm from Victorian Trades Hall, Connor Ligon and Victoria Streets. Defend workers' rights and demand the right to strike. Bring your family and friends and show your support for decent pay and working conditions and for a society that meets the needs of the people. 
May Day March and Family Day, including stalls and activities. This Sunday, 1pm, Victorian Trades Hall in Carlton. A 3CR supporter. 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. First broadcasting, noon till one. Sunday afternoons, you could be listening On Demand, repeat or podcast. The repeat, of course, at um, 5am Wednesday. Anyway, um, we just heard from um, Crowded House, Hole in the River, and um, that track came from their first album, their self-titled album, way back in 86 already. Goodness me. Um, And, of course, it was in honour of Queenie Bon Bon's show down the Mystic Hole at Hair, at the Hair Hole, where else, <laughs> in Melbourne. And we'll give dates and times and things. And also I, I see you've got a show coming up in Sydney next month at the Red Rattler. Yes. So we'll have to make sure we mention that because someone could be listening on the net. Now, sorry, I just had to do a, a race to the door and let someone in. Um, Flabby Spice on this side of the microphone is just recovering. And we need to take our breath to talk about something very, very serious. And also, I should add, just before we do that, um, just played the message. Um, if you are listening live, get your your skates on. Hopefully you're fitter than I am and get down to Trades Hall at one o'clock for the May Day March. But the serious thing we need to talk about is um, these two pieces of legislation that came into law on 11 April 2018 in the USA. And I suppose that's something in itself, how it affects people in countries beyond the 50 states. Um, let's start. Um, it's called SESTA, Foster SESTA for short. And we'll just do those acronyms first. Acronyms being the part of our community. FIGHT, so-called Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act and Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. So that's what they stand for. What do they, I will say, claim to do? Um, what do they not really do? I'll throw it to you because um, that's where your expertise, of course, comes in. Yeah, so um, they there are acts which now um, ch- change who is um, who is accountable for things on the internet. So um, whereas bef- uh, previously um, people could independently write things and um, the platform they were writing on was not accountable for what people said, that has now um, been curtailed and this idea that platforms are now responsible for what people um, put on, out onto them. And so that the, the effect on sex workers has, uh, has been that um, platforms that we use for advertising, now the platform is um, responsible for whether that platform is being used by, um, if that could be used for trafficking purposes. Um, the law is so broad, it's like this huge wet blanket that absolutely conflates um, sex work, which is like the, the cons- like a consensual mm. agreement of two adults um, with trafficking and have, have absolutely blurred them together to make it so that sex workers are no longer able to use platforms that we've used as absolute um, parts of our, our harm reduction Mm-hmm. Um, that those have been taken away from us 
um, under this idea that they are stopping sex trafficking. And the really big thing that happened, which um, was that Backpage was taken down, which was um, uh, an advertising site, much like um, Craigslist or Gumtree, um, that was used um, globally because of the sort of borderless nature of the internet. It was an American website, but it was used worldwide by sex workers. Which, you know, puts in part, um, you know, the stress that I know friends who work um, who work in the industry mm. um, are fe- feeling here in Australia because some people might have gone, hang on, how does a US law affect us? That sort of, yeah. you, know, you know, is obviously going to be a huge, um, you know, sort of squashing down um, that's going to hurt a lot of people. Yeah. It's a, it's a bizarre thing. I was, as you were, you know, explaining that, I'm thinking we've now got a website platform that has to be the arbiter of, I will say in very big in inverted commas, good taste. Mm. And we all know, you know, Facebook allows rampant homophobia, misogynism, transphobia, etc. But um, you try to report, miso- um, you know, try to report that and, you know, where do you get? But, you know, a trans man, for example, might post a picture of his surgery, his top surgery online, and that's deemed pornographic or something. Yeah. So it's hardly like some of these... Um, are, are, are many website platforms who are not understanding of issues of diversity are going to be good arbiters anyway, and they're going to just you know, you know meekly go along with this. Yeah, and I I would say I um I I don't believe that this law has been put forward in a bid to um assist people who have been trafficked. I think there's absolutely a law mm. of like how how people can take control of the internet. And I think, as this has happened many times before, sex workers are absolutely like the, um, like the canary in the coal mine of being of things being tested out with us. That um, this was rolled out with this with um, them saying like we have to do this to stop trafficking, even though all the evidence suggests that um, traffickers are most likely to be caught when they have an online footprint. Backpage was a website because they're an American website that would work with the American. They had um, there was like impetus for them to work with the American government for them not to be shut down. If now those platforms are now outside of America, what what um, th- there's there's no reasons why these sites would then work with um, with with America to try and find victims of trafficking. Mm. So there's, they've, they've absolutely like set this thing up. Like I do not believe, I do not believe the safety of children or marginalized communities was in any way prioritized in this thing. I absolutely think this has just been a thing where people are able to say, um, like this is to stop the trafficking of children. And of course, no one, no one wants that. Everyone, mm. everyone wants that to be stopped. But the way they have done it is also is not beneficial to those who are being trafficked and it's also deeply detrimental to some of the most marginalized workers who now are having to be forced to work in ways where we have much less control of of how we work Mm. well that that's the critical thing like anything there you know there's all sadly um you know it's the old what is it the snakes and ladders game of privilege and those further down who've you know slipped down the snakes so Mm. to speak um sad you know to, and it almost feels horrible to say that you know people of color trans mm. and gender diverse people who work in the sex industry you know are going to have the proverbial double sort of whammy triple whammy type of effect 
and I, I'm not sure if this is your area of expertise, but what would this might sound, and it might almost sound like a dumb question, so I hope it's okay, but what is proven, first of all, let's get this part out of the way, what's the effective way to stop trafficking? This might sound like an interesting question because clearly this doesn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I would say doing, like, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert, but I would say anything that does not um, centralise that... Um, that people are working towards um, erosion of homelessness, poverty, um, transphobia, racism. If those things are not absolutely central to any method that is being put forward, they are. It, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute farce. <laughs> oh, we've just been joined by a small dog. Um, <laughs> it's a, a live on air guest. People of all genders <laughs> um, um, who wanted to come in and say hi. Um, yes, well, we'll, well, look, we value all allyship um, in our fight for equality and equity. Um, so thank you for dropping in um, live radio. Um, but yeah, seriously, you know, this is the thing that if you put take the vulnerability away from people who, let's say, have the potential to be trafficked, then you're going to, you know, probably probably stop it a lot. And also, this idea that somehow that Backpage was um, was the reason that this was happening that somehow um, that um, that pimps just were like, oh great, there's this website. I hadn't I hadn't thought of doing this before, but now there's this website. I'll do this thing, and that suddenly, and that now that Backpage is gone, they're like, oh well, I guess I'll just go back to my old job. It's like no, it's obviously just going to be pushed underground, um, making it much harder to connect to both the people who are the victims and also the traffickers are going to be much harder to place. And also this idea that somehow um, this is happening because the um, Backpage has created a space as opposed to that there is like a deep economic need and people mm. are um, pushed into situations where um, their safety has been compromised in some way. Yeah, it's sort of looking at, in a way, the thought struck me, it's sort of like looking at symptoms and not causes. You know, we hear about, you know, the horrendous trans bathroom debates and so-called risks to women. The solution to stopping risks to women is to end misogynism, not to build gendered bathrooms. Yeah. So it's sort of in somewhere in my brain, they sounded like a parallel there. They're just looking at the wrong thing. And I feel really there's this thing where, you know, people don't look at, um, at agriculture or the garment industry and acknowledge that um there's there's uh situations where people are working in unfair labor situations they then don't try and shut the entire industry down there is then work to do to navigate within the industry and yet sex work is constantly um targeted in this absolutely unfair moralistic way where they're just like shut it down which is not given to any other workforces that also have um, different abilities to be able to um, organize and be part of unions because they're not because they're not criminalized yep want to talk about um, talk about that I want to talk about the we'll say um, critiquing the where decriminalizations happened vis-a-vis decrim, um, critiquing where the so-called Nordic model has come mm. in which you know um, is often a source of well, at least misunderstanding amongst some people who haven't thought through the debate. But in the meantime, let's have a listen to Painters and Dockers from way back in the 80s and their track called Nude School. 3CR, 855 AM Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand and 3CR um, 855 AM. 
Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Queenie Bon Bon. 3CR, 855am digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand. Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Queenie Bon Bon. And today as I walked into the 3CR building, we're getting close to 3CR's Radiothon. Fight for your mic is the theme this year, which um, seems like we need that never before. Um, You know, sort of if we're shutting down sites that help people who work in the sex industry just earn an honest living, I wonder what what that says about body positivity. Um, Be positive about your body um, and be comfortable with it, whether it's nude or not. Um, And so we've given, we're fighting for our mic and we're giving space on the mic today to Queenie Bonbon um, talking about Sesta Foster. And, you know, we want to, we'll say, analyse the comparative models of the so-called Nordic model and also what happens when we decriminalise sex work. What are the, you know, what happens with each? um, Just because I feel sometimes people think, Oh, that Nordic model, that sounds like a, you know, a sensible idea. And it's like, according to people who work in the industry. So I'd love to get your viewpoint on it as someone who's on the ground. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I understand, actually, people have been lied to continuously about sex work. And... And I think it can be a really hard thing to start breaking down, and people feel really defensive when they hear things um, about the normal because people it's sort of really sold as like, well, do you want to support the workers? Do you want the workers to never be criminalised? Oh. And it's really sold as this idea that it's like the model that um, supports the worker. But I think what is what is left out of that is that um, yes, the worker is is not criminalized but everyone else around them is Mm. so that means that our clients um become criminal criminalized which means that um they're much less likely to want to um give information about themselves like their their name their phone numbers things that we use as safety mechanisms um places where you know um they are seen they're wanting to be um a lot more discreet um so it also means that um uh so we are unable to would be unable to rent accommodation mm. because the person who rents it would then be assisting us so we're then um much more likely to be exploited um in uh by people who who know the vulnerability of our situation this is also this um idea that um that crime against workers has been reduced by this. But actually what has happened is that the wedge between workers and the police has has become so much wider and that the police are even more dangerous to go to. So it is so much less likely that you would go to the police to report a crime because you would then be registered as a worker. Your um, This can affect the custody you have of your children. Um, like social services can be involved in these situations like why like what would what are the benefits of going to the police when these are the re- repercussions mm. so i think this idea that it's somehow it, for the worker is an is an absolute falsehood um it's it's incredibly dangerous um it limits the control that workers have over their environment um it increases stigma um around clients and around and around our work that we need to be saved. 
Yeah, which, you know, in a way, well, that plays into two things, the stereotypes that sex work is all about women servicing men, Mm. which, of course, sex work is not gendered, no matter what people think, but it also implies women are vulnerable. Well, misogynism makes women vulnerable, not women in themselves. So let's flip things over. Um, The decriminalisation model, which in the Australian context, um, I understand New South Wales is considered the best of our eight states and territories. What's been... Um, the benefits of decriminalisation, whether it's New South Wales or anywhere else. And I know New Zealand, from memory, decriminalised 2003. So, um, you know, the, the places that have decriminalised, what's, what's happened in those situations? So I think just um, workers are acknowledged as workers. They have the same rules as other businesses i think somehow people also this is i think a huge misconception about decriminalization that somehow decriminalizing it would make um like somehow like underage workers or Mm. um you know all these things and it's like no those things are already illegal and it's just giving workers the same the same rights as or any who people who run any other type of business so it means that we like in victoria um we have to have these like constant health checks, which is just like we're so we're so over tested. We have to be in such like um, constant um, connection with health services, which are often really detrimental mm. to us. Um, that doesn't help. We can we're we're allowed we're seen as adults, and we can monitor our own our own health we are able to work from premises and work with other people. So in the same, so which is a huge um, safety mechanism that workers use. Also, um, I definitely am not suggesting that the police are safe, but the wedge of of what dangers uh, someone to go to the police is vastly reduced when you're not doing something that is criminalised. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I'm aware in the Victorian situation that the relationship between people working in the sex industry and the um, sex industry liaison unit Mm. is, well, say fragile at best, if I can be a little dry humoured. And that, again, often, you know, sex and that the views of sex workers, both on the ground and, we'll say, in terms of systemic reform and advocacy, are just not treated with respect Mm. at all. And that's a travesty when you can't trust the people with the power. Yeah. And I'm thinking in a way of that horrible situation a few weeks ago where you had six police jumping on a disabled pensioner, which wasn't about sex work. But it really shakes when you've been marginalised and you Mm. see the powers abuse people, it shakes trust. I've done work with police. Um, There's been some good stuff, but there's been times where I've sat in meetings going, that's garbage. Mm. So we've got, you know, having trust in our systems of power where we give people extra power is really important. Um, the thing that's been really, I'll say, um, left me feeling, to be honest, a bit helpless. Now, sure, I can get you in on this radio show, but the proverbial average punter in their lounge room or bedroom or whatever, sitting listening to this going, this is absolutely ridiculous. What is happening with this Sester Foster and Nordic model is ridiculous. Mm. You know, how can your average punter be an ally to people working in the sex industry? And I always break that down into two things. What can people do and what can they not do? That yeah. would just be from your point of view. What would make it a bit better for, for, your, for yourselves at both the short term right now in the wake of SESTA, FOSTA and longer term? So um, for me, I really love it when um, 
someone just says like, oh, I just have, I have no idea what's going on with sex worker rights. And I think you literally have a computer in your pocket. Just do some, do some of your own research. So sex workers don't have to do all the labor in explaining to everyone um, why, why things are like, why things are bad. So being able to, people being able to do some of that work themselves. Also um, on social media, to be able to really amplify the voices of, of workers um i think throughout the media there is a very um curated absence mm-hmm. of sex worker voices and um being able to on social media counter that by really pushing those voices um when you're if you're out with someone and they and they say something that is um questionable to be able to say hey actually this is what sex workers say about this like you know and being able to like push push those voices instead of um amplify our voices don't try and talk for us yeah um i think there's also practical things about um being able to um lobby mps about whether decriminalization is something that they're pushing for and um if not why not well, um, you know, sort of, yes, look, find the MPs who support decriminalisation and, um, of course, you know, obviously major tick to Fiona Patton mm. would be one from the Reason Party and big thumbs down to candidate for the seat of Richmond, um, Kathleen yeah. Maltzen, and there is, um, I know, a, an account on Twitter that's um, aimed about that. I've just forgotten the name off the top of my head. So I think it's Greens against... Kathleen Maltz. That's one, yeah. yeah. And, that, and you know, this is something that I hadn't thought about, is just, say, retweeting, retweeting something from, say, Scarlet Alliance, Vixen Collective, mm. you know, proven, um, you know, organisations that truly represent sex workers. Is that, that might sound incredibly simple, but it can make a difference. Yeah, I think just, you know, but I think if those voices are amplified and you're seeing, and it's being seen that it's not just by the community that is by a wider community who is supporting that and pushing that forward. I think that not only does that, um, you know, give strength to to sex workers, but I think it also allows um, those conversations to be had in wider circles. Yeah. Ditch Maltzen, I've just found it. (laughs) Yeah, is another one. Yeah, and we, we need that. We need to get the voices out there and the people who are willing to stand, you know, stand up because, as you've said, under models apart from decriminalisation, even the sort of um, Victorian situation, which is, well, not far from ideal, let's say, it must be very difficult for people who work in the industry to speak out for fear of stigma. So, you know, the yeah, absolutely. necessary. And, and I think in this thing, it's just like being aware that people... People who are not workers have a lot of privilege in being able to amplify these things and then a lot of time workers are not able to come out because because there is so much to because because of safety issues and so being able to say like you know as an ally i will make a really concerted effort to amplify the voices of of workers yeah so just be there be that battery cable Mm. so to speak and keep things charging up really really important Let's have a breather and then we'll come back, sum it all up, um, to give the dates for your show, um, site, good sites people can go and get information off to save you and others having to do that legwork. But in the meantime, I'm going to have a listen to the one, the only Yana, and Alana, Yana, Alana and the Piranhas covering pictures 
I use she together. And this is um, the video clip that you can find on YouTube and watch for a face for radio um, that's in there. 3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand. Out of the pan with Sally and guest Queenie Bon Bon. I put you in a Hi, I'm Elise Platt and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am on your radio dial. Linger. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Yep, 3CR's Radiothon gets underway on June 4th. Fight for your mic. Um, you know, giving the, the voice of dissenter, as I like to say, grassroots radio. Grassroots is where the growth starts. And um, wrapping it up with Queenie Bonbon. Queenie, um, just got a couple of quick things to cover. Uh, messages in from Melina over some stories we've covered in the last couple of weeks. Melina's one of our regular correspondents. Um, had a letter in um, the Green Guide in the Age about Joy, although they edited and cut out mention of what I said about Joy about 3CR and the breaking news is Joy's founder from 25 years ago, John Oliver, has resigned as a life member, which is a pretty serious development. And first things first, I feel very sad for John. He had a huge vision 25 years ago for that station and it feels like its soul is now gone. Um, it would be the same as if you know something went wrong with Transgender Victoria and I um, had to leave it, which I hope, of course, never happens. Um, but yeah, I don't, as much as I'd love, I do have some ideas on Joy, but I'll give it more time in the next couple of weeks. And also this week we had the apology from Catherine McGregor on safe schools for her views and the hurt that they may have caused. Um, and Melina has said, I wholeheartedly support her apology, but there's a lot of criticism from the LGBTI community who think she's left it too late. Very quickly, I think I agree with that. I think it's a step in the right direction. She's trying to put an olive branch out there, but there's a few thorns on it, so to speak. And I think she needs to come and talk to a range of trans individuals um, face-to-face, preferably, or Skype, um, and not just the people who I'll say who might tell her what to hear, what she wants to hear. There's my cryptic response for now. But perhaps I'll cover that in future weeks. Anyway, let's, I want to wrap it up with, with you, Queenie. Um, first of all, dates for your show. And I, apparently, though, tickets are the proverbial hen's teeth for the two shows in Melbourne this week at the Hair Hole um, to, if you want to go and be welcome to the Mystic Hole. So, no, they're actually, so there's no, so it's, it's sold out. There aren't oh, tickets left. No so waiting if, list there's no, oh, Maybe there's a waiting list. But um, <laughs> I think if you're really, really desperate, you can send me a message and I might be able to sneak. But the, but otherwise you have to wait till Fringe and then I will be in the Fringe Hub 22nd till the 29th of September. You're booked in already. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> 
yay for Fringe, um, overwhelmingly promoting um, you know, great artists. And for those up in Sydney, because of course we are on the net, you're doing a show at the Red Rattler. Yeah, so we're doing a, next ho- month. a Whores Day um, show, which also actually is um, June the second but it was booked out on that day so it's a day after but um it's with swap and skull alliance and it's a fundraiser for um uh for people to have scholarships to go to the for workers to be able to go to the national forum in 2018 um yep which is desperately needed because of course as you've said um you know it's you know the challenges on people on lower incomes which we know you know, go down the list, so to speak, mm. through marginalised... I hate the term, actually, marginalised communities. I wish we didn't have to use it. Um, awesome communities who have resilience is really huge. So, you know, let's just sum up. Um, let me see if I've got this right. Nordic model, proven to be a failure, but sounds, you know, spun so to make it sound good. Yeah. Decriminalisation shows better and safer conditions for people working in the industry. Absolutely. And... Um, the things that people can do to be allies just for now because I know people in the sex, in the sex work industry are still sort of, you know, reeling a bit, if you like. But just for now, do things like retweet, check in on information on good sites like Vixen Collective and Scarlet Alliance. Don't, yeah, you know, do some basic legwork yourself and just let me check if there was anything else that you wanted to add. Oh, there's one more thing. that um, There um, is a sex worker um, platform that has existed, which is um, a, a similar style to Backpage, um, which workers is, is um, worker-owned and operated. Um, it just needs people to... Um, much like Backpage, where you could s- sell a sofa or um, any other things, it just it's just trying to get the general traffic of the site up. Um, it's called Crocker. Okay, as yeah, in, as in um, that Australian performer Barry. <laughs> there's well, there's one for people of my era to remember. Sorry, younger people, that won't work. But anyway, um, Crocker, Crocker, Crocker. Um, yeah. So, so if you can support that in some way, that's going to be a yeah. help. Or tweet about it, write about it. Yeah. Cool. That's great. All right, well, take it out today um, because we've got to wrap up and get ready for um, Freedom of Species, talking all things animale. This is my view on sex work um, in the title of a song by John Lee Hooker, You're the Healers, Um, you know, because you do shift energies, you do amazing things, you know, um, people who face other stigmas, such as people with various forms of disability, um, you know, who are told, oh, you couldn't have sex or anything, can, you know, you have the support of sex workers, so... You do heal people. Keep healing. Um, you know, please, um, if other people want to come on the show, as we as we said, we'd love to have you on if you're someone who is willing to talk about your experience. Quenny, thanks for coming in in the middle of a Sunday. Thanks. So nice and to talk. we'll take it out with John Lee Hooker. And um, I'm Sally Goldner. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.